0: Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and Talkin'Power.com.au.
1: Okay, welcome to episode 113 of the Talk and Power podcast. I'm joined with co host Todd Brinkworth, Simon Gonzo Travellini over there. I'm the host, Nick DeCembury. And on the line, we have with us a really special guest of an international flavour, this one. Yes, we do. Carl Cox. Carl, thanks for joining us.
2: All right. I love that. They're international. (laughs) I've been (laughs) here long long enough now. I'm a token token bloody Aussie.
1: (laughs) Carl, look, we really appreciate your time on coming on the podcast tonight. Um, It it, it really does give us great pleasure to have you on here tonight. And and, uh, look, I mean, I just want to, we need to qualify your credentials here. World famous DJ, motorsport identity, event promoter, drag racer. I think you're a scaffolder at one stage as well. Tell us, have we missed something (laughs) along the way?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Green fingers are gardening absolutely uh <laughs> i was uh i was also um i used to like um uh, but when the new cars come in you do this thing called a pdi inspections on new cars and so when they rolled off the truck i was the one that tested the brakes so, <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know how i got that job but anyway it, was, it wasn't it was very dangerous at that particular did, did any of them ever not work yeah, yeah <laughs> <come> <laughs> and i'm like, and I'm like Oh, just like my <laughs> <laughs> like pedal was at uh, forty. Next, you know, um, yeah. you know, you know, you have to kind of check them for like the horn did did, and the you know the indicators that they worked, and the brakes was like, oh man, really? You've got to be- <laughs> yeah, that was that was a bit of a dangerous job. But um, but I've also um, I I I, I used to do uh, be an electrical engineer, and I used to build my own speakers and and EQs and mixers and all that sort of well. Uh, for uh, music systems and, um, and motor mechanics, uh, uh, I was also um, uh, I was in college for motor mechanics as well. So yeah, I do get my hands dirty now and again. Well, not so much now, uh, but back in the day, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, that's a,
1: it's it's quite an incredible, you know, career you've had. And I mean, we need to talk about a lot of the things that you've done over the years. I just want to take a step back to your younger years, growing up in the UK maybe this has been very stereotypical but I, I would have thought that you would have grown up working on jensen's and other cool uk brands how, how did the drag racing bug bite <laughs> way back then
2: yeah now nah, all those british mainland cars and all those foreign cars outside of ford as ford was the only thing i worked on because ford's fit so if you had a wheel nut come off a ford angular that wheel nut would, fall, would fit on a Capri. So yeah. that was <laughs> <laughs> what a gearbox or the diff or the, anything would would intertwine itself. You know, all those other flashy cars and that, oh no, it was uh, too much i hard work. When I was at college, they made me work on a on a Triumph Herald and just getting the bloody starter motor out of that thing was an absolute headache and nightmare is the fact that I never had a Triumph Herald at all. You know, uh, it was a pain lot of those other cars to work on so I never I never I never fancied myself on any of those cars at all apart from Ford so that's how it all became about um as for drag racing <clears throat> near where I where I lived in South London a place called uh Car Shorten, um in, in the place uh, Sutton Surrey um uh, which is uh kind of the suburbs of of London um <clears throat> we just used to, I used to do a lot of uh, street racing around the area and the guys we used to race against was called the Harrises, And this Harris family, they drove, they made nothing but, uh, uh, they had nothing but Ford cars that they used to drag race back in the day. And they used to drive Zephyr Zodiacs, Mark I, and Zephyr consoles. And they used to put uh, Mustang 289 V8 engines in them and then put like a hundred shot of nitrous in them. And they used to try and get a lot of weight out of them because those old cars are very heavy. But they used to run, you know, in back in the 80s, the 11, 11.4 seconds, you know. Uh, yeah, back that's in, quick for a straight At that time, it was considered very, very fast. And if a car did a 10, se- 10 second pass, you're like, behold, you know, <laughs> <my God. laughs> you know. My old Capri, what I used to have back in the day, I think I did it in something like 18 seconds, 85 three miles an hour so i was like yes (laughs) it held together it didn't break (laughs) it didn't break down or anything Uh, obviously things got a bit quicker after you just need money and in the 80s you we didn't really have money so we used to Go every month to a thing called Run What You Brung. So whatever you took, you just took it down a strip. So I used to have this little 850 mini, and um, yeah, 23 or 24 seconds, uh, 72 mile an hour. <clears throat> that was me in the mini, Whoa, kind of looking at my watch, you know, to, to you know, get to the end. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. That's how I started. But back in the day, Santa Pod Raceway um, in Northamptonshire, up the M1, leading towards North. Uh, was the consummate drag strip, and that drag strip is still uh, heralded as one of the best uh, drag strips in the in uh, in Europe. I believe and, uh, I believe
0: it still holds a world record for um, the rocket car from memory. Mm.
2: I, I I believe it does. Yeah, because they used to have the rocket car racing alongside, not alongside the uh, top fuelers, but they, it was kind of a thing to have two go down the line, and that was that 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 was. The spectacle of that was incredible when you was in the stands watching that happen. And I think so that, they, yeah, you're right, it probably is a problem. <clears throat> England was probably the only mad, mad enough place to run those bloody things. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. incredible to, to it see. it yeah. sounds
0: strange saying that because, you know, we always think of America as the capital of that. But, yeah, you guys just allowed the craziest things to happen over yeah. here. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, very true. And, and I remember one year going down there in, in the 80s where we had, uh, Don Gullitz <clears throat> come over, uh, Shani McDowney, and all the big stars, all the top fuel big stars come down and, and, uh, and race their cars and the funny cars and everything. And I was in, I, straight away I was in. I, I used to just go home and be inspired with my own cars to just basically just go to quarter mile or street racing at the time. So I've always done it, but I never really exercised the fact like I'm doing now as a part of my hobby that I like to do. Um, I, when I first got back into drag racing here in Australia, it was basically uh, 2011 or 2012, where I, I bought a, a Holden 1971 Prem, and it was actually a car which I bought from, on uh, Unique Cars from a guy, guy called Greg Leach, and it had a, a 186 in it, and it was like, basically race prepped for Targa Tasmania at the time. And so it was like a build that they had on Unique Cars of, of where it came from, you know, probably some old granny and they dragged out the garage or something and they used this car uh, to, as a build and did you follow? You can follow it still today to see where it ended up. But I came across it and I thought, while I'm leaving here in Australia, I need an Australian muscle car. I need something that, that I can have an affinity with that would be very happy. Uh, and now, unfortunately, it wasn't a Ford. But I did like this car. I, I liked how it looked, and I liked like the colour, and and it had a tip to the Monaro, the bonnet and scoops, and and, the, and the, the seats inside and everything. So it wasn't quite a Monaro. I couldn't I couldn't afford one of them, and I still can't afford one of them now. <laughs> <laughs> so my Prem is the nearest the next next thing to it. But um, I paid about I think somewhere like thirty two thousand dollars for it. So when I bought it uh, back to my mates, it was four on the floor. It had. Um, uh, yeah, straight six yeah, triple carbies on it and I'm like yeah Australian muscle car check this out boys and when I rolled it round the corner into, into the into the farm they all looked at me and shook their head just went how much you pay for that piece and they're like 32 grand oh you're being ripped off oh, what's going on here I'm like is it rusty I said "No, it's not rusty you know it's all, I was like oh what have I bought I bought a proper lemon anyway they they ripped that bloody thing out the, uh, the 186 and they, and they I went away for a year came back and it had a 440 engine uh, 440 small block um oh, yeah. that's aspirated it was a dandy engines uh, uh and a profab kind of collaboration on <laughs> 600 horsepower i never had 600 horsepower in my life <laughs> like back, in, back, of three, back in the day was like, i think something like 220 horsepower v6 I was like, <laughs> you know i have any 600 horsepower two speed and i went down to um Heathcote once we had it all done I scared the bejesus at myself so, so, so was, was I, that the like, car or the track <laughs> or a bit of <laughs> <laughs> But what was really funny was that i haven't been on the track for like many 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 years and uh and i've got this car now and i here i am you know the boys were like oh you know you, you talk about you know what you used to do but so here we are at Heathcote and it's 2012 i'm in this bloody monster and um and I was staging up against the lights, and, and I kind of I, I kind of went too much too forward to the lights. And, and I put a bulb on and then I put the other one on, and then I went too much too far forward. I went back and I went forward. I went, you know what, I've had enough of this. How does this go? Pow! <laughs> 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 I just went for gold. I'm like, Whoa, second, so oh, yes. And I got down, it was a really shitty time, something like 12, 12 something or whatever. And and I came back and I went, What was that all about? I said. I just needed to go down. I just, to do it, you know, it was funny. I mean, I've obviously shaped up a little bit since then, but it was funny on my first time with that car. That car now has an has another configuration. We've put a 90 98 single turbo in it. It's uh, over 2000 horsepower. It's, it's getting basically all um, uh, set up for drag challenge. Hopefully for next year, so that you'll see that car come back out.
1: it's oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Nice. Yeah.
2: Just, just I'll
1: hold you there. Like you just mentioned, Dandy Engines and and Profab. Tell us how you got in contact with Frank Frank Marquezzi of um Dandy Engines and also Joe uh, Gorsey of um
0: Profab.
2: Yeah, well, w- what happened was I uh, um, friends of mine who who are now crew chief uh, Rod Taylor and and others. You know, they, he he had a really nice uh, Mustang which I bought from him actually, 1965 uh, coupe and uh, beautifully black, and, and the wheels, you know, it was probably the Magnum wheels, but a bit oversized. And I said, this is not normal, this car, and he brings it around, and, and it's like all fire breathing. On the outside, it's beautiful, inside, lovely, but underneath, was like and incredible. So it was a Danny Engines uh, race race tune car. Um, that's the aspirated. Uh, 10, 10, I think it was like a, uh, no, 11.02, it kept doing, 122, 124 miles an hour. Couldn't get anything faster out of it, that was about it. But mm. I thought that was, for me, that was fine. I bought that car from Rod and he's moved on to another uh, Mustang now. But I went down to Calder Park for the first time in Melbourne and then saw these kind of like, you know, these, these Fords going down, uh, XWs, um, doing eight seconds. I've never seen a full body, four door car, you know, <laughs> that you go and get groceries in or, or a taxi or whatever. Running eight <laughs> seconds and, and they sound really quiet. I'm like, shoot. I'm like, what's going on here? So um, met Frankie and he said, yeah, yeah, we, you know, we do these, you know, turbo configurations and, and that, that was it. I was hooked. I, w- I was in you know, straight from the, straight from the off. So, mm. and that just aspirated. And then the Capri you see behind me was the, the first proxy project. And they said, well, you know, I know you've been running in 10s. You want to go a bit quicker. So they're going to build me a six second car at 200, over 200 miles an hour. And I was like, you guys are mad. Uh, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are crazy um and eventually i mean this was on big tire to begin with i've never been on big tire before in my life but you know at the time it was built for uh, apps arounds, and then eventually apps are finished so um it, i went on to the radial circuit and uh, on 315 tire <clears throat> and i've been going between 315 and, and 275 which i had out this car out on the weekend which actually ended up being top qualifier this weekend so, you know, I was like, come on, Cuxy, you can do it. But you know, <laughs> <get off. laughs> well, I didn't win all my rounds, unfortunately, but I did just peel off 6.8 at over 200 miles an hour. Correct oh, me if I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, 6.86 at 206 mile an hour.
2: Um, unbelievable.
1: 4.42 to the half track.
2: Yeah, unbelievable. And the track really was, was like a knife edge. It was, you know, if it gave one more bit more boost and then it would just blow the tire. so... You know, I, I blew the tyres on the first qualifying. Uh, it, it hooked up on the second qualifying, which made, made it the top qualifying car. And then after that, um, three more rounds. And I just thought, well, you know, if, it, if it loads of tyres are done, which it did. And then the second race, um, it, it hooked up and went down. And the third race, it blew the tyres. But then I got a bit of grip and I, and I, and I saw Rob Tarabay, he, he blew the tyres and he went, and I thought, oh shit, he's gone. I'm like, I'm going. So we oh, <laughs> <laughs> so both first. went down. I can't <laughs> believe it, right? He went across the line at 191 miles an hour. You know, So he blew the tyres and still picked up that much speed yeah. from 330. I'm thinking, damn. So he went, he must have smashed it. Because I'm telling you, <laughs> he did not want to lose to that race to me. He just, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, I, I want to, I'm gonna, I'm, I I'll normally abort the, you know, when when they blow the tires, I normally abort and go, okay, I'm done. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not having that. And, and my car hooked up and went. So yeah, it was an interesting um, uh, final race for me on, on the weekend. But it's great. I I loved it. Uh, and I kept it off the walls. The engine's great. You know, we won an award for the top qualifier, um, mm. which which makes the car really competitive in that field. So I'm really pleased on the weekend
1: that was on a 275 correct me if i'm wrong
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah that's that, that is awesome
3: i mean we can see you have a passion for drag racing carl this is this is awesome but um someone's know you was a dj as well
2: yeah,
3: um, I think we do a little bit <laughs> of that. Some of us do. <laughs> well, I do now. You've spun the odd turntable here yeah. and there. Um, <laughs> a good friend of ours, you know, calls it spinning the ones and twos, and then I had to fill in Nick and Simon in your case, it's the one, twos, and threes, you know. Yeah. But um DJing, like your style was sort of um or techno, I'm guessing.
2: It would be your, one of your styles. And um, well, let, let me put it to perspective. I, I, I basically was born in the 60s. My mum my and dad, coming from Barbados, they always had music and parties at home in Barbados. And I basically, when they moved to the UK and they had parties at home, their music was from the late 60s into the 70s. So I kind of grew up with you know, music that you would hear um, from bands basically there wasn't no individual kind of you know singer or, or you, know, you know if it was like Diana Ross it'd be Diana Ross in the Supremes you know what I mean if it is if it was uh, Hank Marvin it'd be Hank Marvin in the shadows and uh, or Richard in the shadows all that sort of stuff so that's what I kind of grew up with and so I'm very eclectic in my music and Elvis Presley of course and uh Dwayne Eddy I, I could go on and on, on about music I have <laughs> over 150,000 pieces of vinyl in my wow. garage right here wow. music that, that I collated from my dad's collection to, to present day uh from nineteen sixty eight so you can imagine yes techno is something that I was got into in the 80s 88 89 and I'm very well known for that but my I, I actually did weddings for like, like at least 10 years. So you couldn't take <laughs> techno at weddings. You know I had to play the birdie song you know I, 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 I had to play a few things. Don't tell anyone though, okay. okay. I, <laughs> it's just Not between us. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> what I used to play. But um, but you know, I was a young, you know, guy, you know, learning the craft of DJ and weddings was one one way of doing it and get a bit and getting a bit of money to do it. And I enjoyed it, you know. It's a challenge to play top 40 hit records or or, or <clears throat> whatever the, the wedding theme was. It would sometimes be a rock and roll wedding. Sometimes it it would be uh, like a a Jewish wedding, you know, or or, or heavy metal. I I had it all and I've still got it all on my records uh, in that vein. But I had to basically steer towards my sound. So my sound in the late 70s into the 80s was funk, was soul music, R&B, Latin Latin jazz, um, and then... Um, of course, I was obviously grew up in the rock and roll, a uh, rockabilly sound, and was because obviously American graffiti. You know, that soundtrack is all about the cars and the music, and I love all of that. That sound of the 50s. Um, so yeah, I'll, I have a very, very massive eclectic uh, uh, piece of. of of music that i love, that i am kind of unknown for but i grew up with all of that music so techno is something or, or the house music and techno music is what of which i perfected in my sound which i'm very well known for um but yeah if you go back in the day it was all about bands and artists
1: mm. yeah yeah most certainly i don't know a lot about dj <laughs> but the the one thing i do know is that i i a beta? I think that's how you say it, in Spain? Is that correct? Yeah, that's
2: pretty good, actually, yeah.
1: I thought that's how you say it. That's pretty good. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> It'd be nice to no. But I know that's the, kind of a, not the mecca of DJing, but I would say one of... Uh, uh,
0: adding... I think it's the mecca of partying. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so... But tell us, you did 15 years there, and, and tell us about space there, your your yeah. what you did there.
2: Right. Well, well, first and foremost, I I was always djing, and I was always in the UK. And you know, before going abroad, you know, trying to speak another language was 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 kind of like a, it's never going to happen. But you're right. You know, this island had some of the best clubs and the sound systems that you would ever get. You hear anywhere, nowhere else in the world apart from this tiny little island. And um, and I was very curious about that, so I went over very in, uh, in the early days of of. You know, before I'd be forgotten, known for what it is today, as a party island, I went over there to see, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the world. And at, and at that particular time, it's called Koo, um, uh, which held over 10,000 people. And, and I used to play there uh, in the last five years um, at this club, which is amazing. Uh, it had a massive swimming pool in the middle of the, the dance floor. And it had, uh, it had, all, had all these... Um, uh, trees and all sorts of... It was, it was amazing. It was indoor-outdoor club, and Koo was, was was the place. But then you had another club called Pasha, another club uh, called Amnesia, and another club called Space, which started in 1989. Now, I was going there but just as Space was starting, and it was the only after our club you can go to on the island it would start at seven o'clock in the morning on sunday so even though you've been out on the weekend on the saturday if you really wanted to carry on then space was the place and i was curious about that so i went (laughs) there and 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 basically i i used to i used to go to one club go go back to the hotel wash and brush up and then goes and then goes to stand in the queue. They go back inside the club. to continue, uh, could continue on and in into the daytime, into the night. And space with the club. And I just loved that it had a, this terrace outside, which is great. And the, and it had, a, it had a club inside called a discotheca And I really wanted to have the opportunity to play that club um, if if they knew how I how I well would playing DJ, of which they found out in the end of the day by what I could do, and they took yeah. me under their wing as a resident DJ uh, since then. So I've actually been playing in that club for nearly over 20 years, but I was given a residency um, <laughs> of which I was basically there for 16 years. And the, only, and the only reason why it stopped because the original owner of the land took back the lease of the land, which took back the club from Pepe, who used to run that club, for for 27 years straight so that that's the only reason why I'm not doing that anymore and I'm I'm just kind of free to do whatever I want to do but I think that was probably one of the longest residencies that any DJ has done in the world um on a on a a, a, for 16 consecutive years straight um Mm. and I'm kind of very proud of that the club was the number one club um in the world Uh, there was no other club like it um so whatever i did on my tuesday nights that i did there uh was was a big part of their success uh about that so it was a big part of me you know i mean i actually did cry you know when i played the last (laughs) record there i thought right now who's going to pay me because i've got drag racing to do Oh, what am I gonna do now? I can't afford the drag races. We're gonna space anymore. Oh man, it was it was it was tough to uh, to leave that place, because he wasn't finished. He still had plenty of uh, plenty of years left in that club. But as I say, you know, things move on, and uh, and and here we are, and moved on into a pandemic. So yeah,
0: yeah. So, so you guys go. are working to revive the uh, the space name, yes.
2: Well, after two years afterwards, two thousand eighteen, we tried to do it. And what they should have done really is straight away have a venue or a place to go to, which they didn't do. They just thought that they could basically just come in with the space name and do whatever they wanted on the island. But there was no space for another club on that island. It really, um, the actual uh, government don't want another club on the island. They're fighting against it it, because there's already enough clubs on the island. Mm -hmm. So... It's so time to get a boat, Carl. It's time to yeah, get a boat. Well, well, absolutely, hundred percent. You know, I mean, just to relax and then enjoy the, the island for what it is from the outside point of view. If I want to I get out, um, but having a boat on the island is a not not a bad idea at all. <laughs> well, you talked about COVID or pandemic.
1: How how do you manage then doing your job or touring like in in
2: even in Australia? How how, how difficult has that been to manage? Well, the thing is, since the pandemic, I've only probably played here, since I've been here now, it a year and a half, uh, six events. Yeah, okay. So that's not a lot of parties. Mm. <laughs> well, where where normally around the world uh, do at least 150 events around the world. Wow. So you can imagine, you know, from a financial point of view, it's a bit different, but my career, which I've been involved in for nearly 40 years, has fallen off a cliff. You know, there there is no you know true events or, or, or true career now to follow in that sense. So I, now I do a lot of uh, streaming shows um, from my recording studio that I have here. I've actually I, I do make a lot of my own music. So I've, so in so in the lockdown in the pandemic, I just made a whole bunch of amazing tracks on which I've just been signed to a record label called BMG, which is a major record label. Uh, which signed Kylie Minogue, no less, as well, on that label. So I'm a label, I'm a label mate to her, <laughs> on, her I'm just, on, on BMG, which is fantastic. I like the idea of that. But I, the, the thing is about this, this signing with BMG, I signed to BMG in 1991 with a record that I had called I Want You Forever, which came out on a record label called Perfecto Records, uh, uh, as, and it was basically supported by BMG. So 30 years later, I, I go along my merry way, I I make this live music electronic music which I've created and BMG have basically re-signed me again as a as not well I'm a new artist but I'm but I'm not I'm not new person you know I'm, I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm older than I was when I started but they found it intriguing that that I I had done this and they felt that they they felt that they could basically get behind my music and and re you know regenerate uh, uh, you know my career again just through making music so I don't really have to DJ that much anymore, to be honest. But I do enjoy doing it, of course. Um, and it, you know, get back to the dance for the people, the festivals. But it's gonna, it's, things are gonna change, or oh, they are changing already. You know, with social distancing, uh, with, with contact tracing, and all that sort of stuff. Have you got a jab? And all that. It's it's different now. So it's it's not something I want to race back into doing anyway. Uh, and mm. I'm and I'm looking to kind of sl- slow down into semi-retirement anyway, because for forty years I have done nothing but trip the light fantastic. Fantastic! You know what I mean? <laughs> I've been around the world about a hundred times. I've had enough, so you know, I've got no problem. You know, uh, uh, being stuck here in Australia and being able to do drag racing and and, and you know, certain amount of events that I like to do. Uh, I've actually got events coming up uh, in Perth. I'm going to Perth tomorrow to to play to do free events there. <clears throat> I'm doing two two events in Sydney and um, and two events in Adelaide. So okay. um, I'm still here to do those events while I'm here.
0: Yep, all oh, right, that's excellent. No, it's good good news, yeah. and, and you've got more time to go drag racing now.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the thing is now is is that, um, I you know, being at the Jambo is probably my last event this year. Um, I would like to do more if I could, but I'm looking to leave in, in January, um, January the first or second to go back overseas, and probably won't get back until October into November, so I'll be able to do whatever's going to happen, you know, 400 funder or anything that's happened is after that. But also get back into my Pro Mod uh, because that's the car that I basically stepped up to from the Capri, um, which I was having a really good time until one shoot came out and I hit the wall at 180 miles an hour. So uh, that's got a bit of a bruised wing at the moment. Um, it's in with um, um, uh, with uh, Joe at the moment at Profab getting everything done. You know, it's, it's got a bit of chassis damage, Um bit of wheel, wheel, uh, wheel damage and all sorts of things under that left side. Because as I was in the right-hand lane going down, I basically went across the tracks so at roughly about 250 miles an hour, pulled the chutes, so only one came, came out, and I'm like, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> so it's kind of like, do I take the red pill, go straight into the sand, or take the blue pill and see what can try and make it? Uh, so I took the blue pill to see what i try to make it. And I just realized that the car doesn't drift very well at that speed. So uh, I went straight on the concrete, rode the concrete underneath the car, came down, um, lucky enough, everything was fine. The chassis worked, work, done, its, done its thing and everything. But the cut, the mod that I have is so beautiful. I was more gutted that I smacked it up, to be honest. But it wasn't any fault of mine in the end of the day. It's one of those things. They always call mm. it, well, that's drag racing. You know, if, if someone else says that to me, I want to throttle them. <laughs> 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 oh, well, you know, that's drag racing. No, it's not drag racing. <laughs> It's a mechanical issue, you know, it's like I wasn't racing when I was doing it, I was just doing a pass. But yeah, so, I, you know, I, I when I, when it happened, um, I really wanted to, just, if I'll be, if we could have repaired that car that night, I would have gone back down and done exactly the same thing. It didn't bother me that I had done it, but it bothered me that I, that, you know, it's one of those things. But I think it's almost like a rite of passage that mm. you have to have some sort of crash and then, and then you go, did you know what it's like to go down at that, the deep end like that when, and have something like that happen to you? But I mean, no one wants that ever. I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone for uh, having parachute failure. Um, so, we you know, we try our best to pack the chutes right, try and put s- certain amount of talcum powder in it, not too much. Uh, they don't like that at the track. When you pull the chutes and all you see is puff <laughs> of white, white powder. <laughs> and they go, oh, that's where you put the... Oh no! This <laughs> <No, no, no. laughs> where you put the bags. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> How are we supposed to pay for this buddy drag race? No, no. Anyway, all jokes aside, uh, we got told off uh, because my, my guys uh, were really conscious about. Um, my shoe's not coming out on the capri doing 200 miles an hour. So they I thought that they they kind of put a bit too much in. So when the capri went down and you just see this poof and it went all over the track and they (laughs) were like you got to tell your boy something boy you know less talk about less than
1: Speaking of the Pro Mob, what I guess what made you want to progress from the from the Capri in, into that car, into the into the
2: Mustang? I've I've always really enjoyed Factory Extreme racing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a really good class and on, on big tyre. I actually did enter the Capri when it was on big tyre, to Factory Extreme. But you know my my volatile thing at the time was running like uh, seven one, seven seven two, seven one, and most of the Factory Extreme cars were were running uh, you know six eights eight or six seven. I just couldn't run with them, so you know, what, you know, it, it was either you know do something about that with this car, put a big block in it, or something like that, which I just don't think works very well, um, or buy a new car. Yeah. So the the pro mod, and there was some you know some pro mods coming into the field uh, about three years ago, sort of of really amazing pro mod cars, and um, and I thought that was the best way to go to yeah. go and go and buy a pro mod from the states, which I bought one of the fastest cars uh, in pro mod. At that particular time, which was driven by Jose Gonzalez. Oh, uh, that's
0: yeah, I was trying to work (laughs) out whose car it was, but there (laughs) you go,
2: answered that question. Yeah, and Jose Gonzalez, it was a two time NHRA uh, winning Pro Mod at that particular time, and it it still seemed to be one of the fastest cars uh, ever to do quarter mile at at a figure, did a 5.4 at 274 miles an hour. (laughs)
1: He had the world record in that car, didn't he, Jose, at one stage? Yeah, he had the world. I'm pretty sure he had the world record for that.
4: Yeah, Yeah, he did. My little breezy little (laughs) hands.
2: And then I smacked it up. I'm like, oh, geez. So so is it still the same drivetrain that's in it? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we've done all the mechanics on everything. But yeah, everything's the same. All the gearing, the diff. Twin turbo, Hemi. Yep. It's it's a twin uh, twin 98s. yeah, it's, everything's the same. Um, there's a 540 q um, um, Hemi uh, from Proline, and um, all we've done is kind of updated the um, electronics because it was using a race pack as well as big stuff. You know, there was a lot going on there, and, and we uh, obviously the FuelTech 600 FT600, which we're using right now. So um, we've got to get rid of a few old uh, old electronic uh, uh, setup and and just basically FuelTech all the way, which it has now. It just has got a lot of wiring in it, which needs to be done. So it's it's the thing about these cars now. I mean, I bought that car two, nearly three years ago. You know, I've, 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 unfortunately, with the pandemic, I've been able to get it out for one year. So so I've actually had it for two years, and I've just started to get up on the car and everything with this electronic package and everything. And and now it's behind the game in the electronics, you know, because obviously things do develop really quickly mm. and really fast. So you know, you know, I do uh, I do have uh, the ability. To put an order in for a new car, um, of which I uh, have done, and um, and then hopefully I can keep up with the with the electronics, with the with, with the, the new uh, uh, Proline engines which are coming out at the moment, and all that sort of stuff. So in the next uh, year or so, you'll see the new Colcox Pro mod. So I'll move that one on, and then I'll i get into actual my car. So I'll cut my teeth on the Eleanor uh, for the moment, and hmm. um, and. And maybe I I'll, might I'll, I'll keep Melanor and put radials on it, and then just smack the radial record. The <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to hate me. in the drag in years <laughs> go, I, cocks- Look, I've got to tell you, Carl I already like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's been great though. It has been really, really great to be able to have this time to do this. So I'm really, I'm really pleased that you know there's a lot of interest about what I do. I mean, I. You know, a lot of people thought I was doing this for like a publicity stunt. You know, top international DJ has a go at racing, or you know, you know, taking selfies on the start line, and all these chicks and that. And like, it's not like that at all. <laughs> all I'm doing is trying to cut lights, trying to trying to do this you know, trying to do the right thing by, by you know, fair racing and that sort of stuff, which i I've been doing, you know, and uh, mm. and I've been been enjoying. I mean, I've lost more than I've won, but at least I, I have won one uh one race uh, one round which was a uh, APSA uh, in 2013 I think when I won on a 7, seven three, I think it was at uh, 187 miles an hour it was Hollywood actually it was like you know I went to the finals you know I'm going up against uh uh it's Toronto which is running eight ones or whatever and I thought well I've been running you know seven twos and seven threes this should be all right and I thought I thought to myself you know I've got to compose myself and and then try and do well, and try not try not to break break the you know try not to cherry the lights and, and it was Hollywood, so I went oh they'll come out. I think it was like one two, 60 foot went on the bars, nice big wheelie to the free Came down, kept it in, and won. I tell you, I got to the other end, and I was like, what has happened here? You know, came hey, back the winner. and that's where that's where people knew that that I was you know the real thing, not not some fake you know Instagram TJ racer. <laughs> but
0: reading about your. Uh, licensing and and first passes in the Capri anyone that's ever drag raced and understands that it, it you can tell that's not that's genuine that's someone that's passionate about it I, I know what it was like the first time I got in a big tire car and did some laps and you know that that kick in the guts that that you get when you let go of the trans brake button it's um only someone that that has been through it can really understand it so. Yeah, I really. I appreciate where, where you're coming from there. But.
2: Yeah, well, the thing is, I've always gone off the foot brake and done like 1.660 1, 1. foots. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, one six. You know, when you're doing like one one or one zero, oh my god, it's like <laughs> back and just go bang on the back of your head. You go, oh shit, you know, and away you go. It's like, oh my god, um, it, it, nothing prepared. You can't explain that, you know. In the end of the day, I, I remember going for my license, which was quite funny, and they, they instruct you to do, you know, certain things. Um, like, you know, uh, burnout, okay, you know, okay, go back, okay, stage up, yeah, stage up, now do like, you know, 3.30 and, and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, I really want to know what this goes like down a quarter mile. So they said, okay, uh, we want to do a half-track car. A I said, yeah, no worries. Pow! all the way down like, <laughs> all the bloody parachutes and they turned back and went what the bloody else that I thought oh, I thought you said you wanted me to go all the way down <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that sorry we, we packed the shoots, and I'll be back around for my license then I went to did the harsh track I went no oh, okay uh, so that was my my uh, uh, my story of, of how I got my license it was uh <laughs> it was very funny <laughs>
1: I wanted part of the panel to change gears a little bit here. Tell us, Carl, a little bit about Carl Cox Motorsport and and how that got started.
2: Well, well I wasn't really going to. I mean, to to run a race team in any way, shape, or form, you need you need a lot of money. You know, mm. it all depends what you're going into. I mean, if it's Formula One or Motor GP, forget about it. I'm no billionaire, and I'm not, and I don't have any desire to to put any money into any of that that type of sport. It's just ridiculous. Uh, I I really like grassroots racing i really mm. enjoy the fact that a lot of, lot of these guys and girls you know do it on a shoestring weekend warriors all that kind of stuff so i've always been into sidecar racing back in back in the uk i used to see these lunatics go around brands actually falling out of a sidecar trying <laughs> to them, trying to kick the wheel down and stuff like that you're like oh man really you know and, and you know did you see them trying to, you know they're going you know, sliding back and forward and all this sort of stuff and and you see them all go go down and do that i just thought that was Courageous and, and just brave and, and daring. So so sidecar racing for me was was something that I had I had a lot of interest in. And being here in Australia and and had friends of mine in New Zealand, um, they were like, oh, we, you know, we need about ten grand or something like you know to to, to support our racing campaign in New Zealand. Uh, there was a team called Smith and Shorter Racing, number eighteen, and um, and they were really good at it. You know they they would win most of their races without the help of me. But if they had a little bit of help from me, and then they could win all those races, which they did, and that's how it started. And then for a couple of years, I was putting my money into them, and they're winning all their races in New Zealand. And they they, they had aspirations of of uh, racing at the Isle of Man TT, um, and and Colin Buckley was one of the riders uh, who's actually been round the Isle of Man TT. You need someone who knows where to go around the Isle of Man TT; otherwise, it doesn't go well. You know, <laughs> there's 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 bus stops and pubs and you know all sorts of things you can hit. Um, which, uh, which hurts very, very much, but the sidecar don't go as fast, but it's still as dangerous, I have to tell you, but they really wanted to do that. So I thought, wow, you know, have a, uh, an entry into, into Iron man TT would be really cool for me to, to, for people to introduce myself into the world of motorsport. So that's how it started, and uh, and when the guy when we got our sidecar with Carl Cox Motorsport and everything uh, on it, people were like, "That can't be the DJ Carl Cox," and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's me, you know, fresh from my beefer. Uh. <laughs> 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 In the rain, cold, sideways rain. I'm like, "What am I doing here?" Oh man, you know, it's freezing. I it, it had cups of tea, and you know, I was on the corner. Oh, it's, it was like. It was a right of passage, I have to tell you. Uh, but, you know, the entry of our guys, there were 40, 45 uh, sidecars. And for our first time being there, we, we came we, we came 11th place. And we came 11th place twice. So that was in two years. And then I changed um, to riders and drivers because they, they they done what they wanted to do. And, uh, and then I supported an, another team uh called Rees racing sim Rees racing and number 77 and for two years i supported him and he got onto on to the top step and he came uh, second as well after two years and then he went to brands action won every single round of brands action and now he does now he's, he's a uh he recognized as a world international sidecar team as well uh champions of the last two years uh, not through me but through another company now with so whatever i kind of put my hand to in the end of, to help others that's what I've been doing with calculus Motorsport um, so with that I've uh, been supporting uh, certain uh, uh, Ironman TT riders uh, one famous one uh, which is Michael Dunlop, mm, Dunlop. Yeah, Dunlop yeah. Fantasy, um, which was amazing because I kind of just met him by default he normally doesn't talk to anyone um, especially Couldn't get he... Guy Ritchie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly you know he he's very unapproachable you know at the end of the day but he can the boy can ride but he will basically talk to me and uh, that sort of stuff because we, we found i found out that he actually in his downtime he he rallies a mark II uh ford escort um oh. which is which is fantastic and and i have a mark II, uh ford escort as well um out in, uh in orange and i don't i don't rally that. <laughs> i kind of take that around the streets and everything but you know as soon as we had a connection with with the with the cars and then that was it was us and it's it's a really it's it's a really nice um compliment to each other based on that, how i support him and how he races because of the support and yeah. then i support um um uh, Connor cummings uh island anti-t racer Dave, davey todd uh, Dave johnson um another guy that i support um for for uh classic uh racing at, at uh Phillip Island here in Australia. Um, we I do the Island uh, Classics nearly every year, which obviously haven't happened in the last couple of years. But Michael Neves, uh, that that uh, that he gets to ride from M C N Motorcycle News in the U K as a test rider, but he's really good around the track. And um, and Dave O Johnson. So you know the, when it comes to the bikes, it's um it's pretty. Amazing how much I've expanded with my race team, and in New Zealand I have two two sidecar outfits and a uh, and a road racer there as well called um, called uh, Toby Summers. So I was for the last two years supported uh, V8 supercars, uh, Cam Waters with mm. the Mustang. So, you know, you know he, he, he nearly won Bathurst last, last year. Yeah. You know, I was on the edge of my seat. Oh, come on, Cam, give Shane Gisbergen a touch up. Come on. Oh, it's raining. <laughs> don't, <laughs> like, don't worry, Carl. We all
0: would. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it wasn't just us saying
0: that.
1: No,
2: <laughs> yeah. we all. I'm like, I can't believe it. It goes on for so long, and that's how it ended. I'm like, ah, uh, that was like, came second. A good effort, though, man. It was a good effort. Yeah. But I think this year he's been really well so far.
1: Yeah. Tell us a bit about Cam Waters. You, you've you had him as well. You've looked after him for some time. Do you think, I mean, I look at Cam Waters as the quintessential reality TV show star because he, <laughs> he did, he, he won that, the supercar showdown, but after that he moved on and actually, you know, became successful after his reality TV show. Do you think that, that, that show that, that kind of grounded him, do you think in some way?
2: I mean, to be honest, he's quite a grounded person for being so young. He's he he's very astute in his way, and um, I think whatever he puts his hand to, he he wants to be successful at. Mm. Uh, it, it, I mean, he's very frustrated at the moment because obviously uh, Scott McLaughlin is not there anymore, and you, you would have thought that he would have gone straight to the top straight away, and he hasn't, mm. you know. Um, but
0: but Pensky's not either, is he? Yeah, it, it's
2: it's. <laughs> I mean, I mean. He, he he was seen to be the one that you to watch out for, and he's still on the back foot. So you know he has he had his moment. He won the last race, and you know when mm. he, of course it was it was wet and everything. And the first race he had, had a bit of a touch up, but you know he's he's an amazing guy. Amazing, uh, I think he's very calm. I mean, you, I, when I see those cars get battered and pushed around and that, I would lose. <laughs> I just would. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just be on the on the radio, just losing my. I'll just be like. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't be, oh, oh yeah, I got hit there, don't worry, no, go, yeah, don't worry, Cam, it's fine, <laughs> <laughs> like, are you sure about that, all right, well, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'll be a very good, <laughs> all. but he just seems calm, I'm really, you know, and if he does seem upset, he doesn't seem upset, but he, he's, he is, but he, he contains himself, so I yeah. think that's what it is, he's a very likeable likable person and I think a lot of people do like him and I want to see him do well of course
1: look I must say that the Carl Cox uh, motorsport is is a, is a credit to you and I think you know I congratulate you for for that taking on you know I guess you take on a bit of a mentorship role as well like for, for a lot of these for a lot of these stars and 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 I think that's really important especially in grassroots motorsport because that's where you know the names everyone comes from a grassroots Motorsport and and uh, it's really important what you're doing. So I really need to thank you for that. When I saw that uh, when we did the research for this podcast, I was taken back by that. To be honest with you, I didn't I didn't know
2: you did that. So
1: it's
2: a credit yeah. to you. Thank you. There was a, the thing was that you know I can't be selfish and, and and do all this myself. You know, but also I do like the idea of of, of getting behind young riders. Young drivers, girl, or boy, you know, if they need a little bit of help, and if I can give them that little bit of help, just to get them confident enough to feel that they've got someone, someone behind them like me to to get them, you know, a little bit further than they would normally get, and then that for me, I, I feel good about that. You know, yeah. I do this thing called the Cold Cup with a guy called Ken Dobson in New Zealand, in Auckland, and, uh, and I've been doing it, be supporting the, the Cold Cup for ten years now, and um, and basically, it's it's again, it's entry level, grassroots. Racing championship of like six rounds uh, of a round three uh, tracks in uh, New Zealand, and you know you'll you'll find your next you know young gun coming out of out of uh, out of that round. There's about I think forty five or fifty entries of the Colcox Cup um, mm-hmm. for these rounds, and it's amazing to see you know the the camaraderie, the how people um, kind of like. Enjoy themselves on a Sunday, you know, with the families and everything. To, to see them do well from a grassroots point of view, and and they got something to go for. Whether you had a, uh, a a bad lap or a good lap, or you or you you got to the step or you didn't get to the step. There's there's little kind of like um, um, treats in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, if you did the if you um, for instance uh, if you, if you came uh, say like you say like you did the, the most overtakes in 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 one race you would get seen for that and you would get rewarded for your bravery or, or your camaraderie or, or the way how you handled that. So so, you don't, you, so just the top three don't just get prizes. You get prizes for all the little things as well, which I think adds uh, some real good kudos to what we try and do to uh, um, inspire young riders to get out there and to, and to give it a go.
3: I was about to backpedal a bit here, actually. And you say, I mean, it, it is great. I was doing some of the research myself when I'd seen your drag racing career and I'd actually been following that for a while. And again, you mentioned yourself, people at first were like, is that the same Carl? I was one of those people. I remember seeing you years ago running the Capri and going, is that Carl Cox? And you jumped out of the car and I'm like, that's Carl Cox. But I've actually got my mates one in the UK and I'm like, Carl Cox is on my TV driving a drag car. They're like, yeah, he does that now. And I'm thinking... He does, but um, I mean, it was great to see yeah, that I sort of did more homework and went, Oh, awesome! And you know, you reside in Melbourne now when you, when you get the chance. What brought you to uh, sunny Melbourne? And what- <laughs> sunny <laughs> i mean, Melbourne. I'm being nice to all the listeners out there that we had some very good friends in Melbourne, so what's it like,
2: sunny Melbourne, and what,
3: what drew you to living in Melbourne or
2: Victoria? Yeah, we- you know what? So I, I mentioned earlier about my, my record, hit record that I had out at the time um, called I Want You Forever, which came out in 1991. So I was asked to come over to um, uh, promote that record here in Australia because it was on the radio, Triple J and, and Nova, uh, on rotation for quite a while. So it, that gave me an opportunity to come, from, come to Australia from the UK and, and to promote that and to do a certain amount of events around it. Um, and when I got to when I first came to, to Australia, I, I, I came to Sydney, and um, interesting Kings Cross, <laughs> especially back then. Yeah, I've, I've got stories about Kings Cross when I was over there a
3: few <laughs> years ago. We'll keep that off i as good as your car, but we'll keep that off air for what now.
2: What is going on here? You know? <laughs> and I didn't meet any Australians; they're all Irish or Scottish or. New Zealand you know <laughs> crazy Australians you know it's like, it just crazy you know all the clubs and bars were named after the same clubs and bars we have in the UK and everything I was like shocked anyway uh, I had a couple of really good parties uh, in, in Sydney and then I came to Melbourne uh, and then went to Brisbane Adelaide uh, uh, I did the round sort of thing when I came in but I just felt felt that Melbourne was of somewhere where I feel a little bit connected with because it feels a little bit like uk especially with the weather system you know uh you know 14 in like in like three minutes it's like what's going on here you know once it's sunny you're like ah it's windy oh oh my god and then it's raining you think oh my god it's going to flood and then it's has got hailstones. i'm like and then it's sunny again i'm like oh you know, i mean it's just great that it kicks on your toes the weather system here in melbourne <laughs> But I just found that the pace of life was a bit different here, and especially where I live in the peninsula with all the wineries and stuff like that. I, I mean, I ride my motorbikes and stuff around there. and just really enjoy it. So I, I live in a place called Mornington, and uh, I really love the peninsula down here. It's, it gives me, a, a, like it, it grounds me in some ways because nobody knows who I am, and in, in fact, I don't even care, which is brilliant. I like the idea of that. I can go to Safeways or Caltech or whatever. No one, no one knows who I am. But in saying that. They do know who I am because there's not many black people <laughs> who have been around in a in a blue Mustang. In fact, before that, I I what do you know what my first car was when I bought I came here? I went to the dealership and bought myself a club sport uh Commodore and wow. uh in a four-door, you know, V8, which just spun the tires and when you just looked at the throttle. I was like, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about. So I was like fat fat arming down the down the uh, down the Mornington High Street I was like, yeah, this is, yeah. So, that was, but I did get rid of that, and I bought a 2004, uh, 2005 Monaro. So the first generation of the new mm. Monaros, and that's what I have bought. So, so uh, there wasn't many people with that car. So people knew, knew, you know, if, if you see that car, it was me. Um, <laughs> but that kind of stuff. So you know, you know, people will always say, it will always saying, oh, yeah, Hugh Jackman lives around here somewhere. You know, if you see him. And, uh, and then they had, oh yeah, Cole Cox is around here somewhere. You know. <laughs> 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 It was. A, it was a, it's kind of like it was a, this enigma. Apparently, you know, living in. Yeah. Uh, it's true. I saw him. I saw him. You know, yeah. uh, that, that kind of thing. He landed in quick. Uh, <laughs> there he is. You chase him. You know, mm. and uh, and uh, so I. I really enjoyed Melbourne. I. I tried everywhere, and and Melbourne seems to mm. fit. Fit my needs in the sense of lifestyle, so I'm very, very happy to be here. Not to bag anywhere because people knew that people know that I went to Sydney first, and they were <laughs> upset that I went. I moved to Melbourne. They really were <laughs> upset.
4: <laughs>
1: I mean, you talked a little bit earlier, you're heading back to the UK next year. Tell us a bit, you're working on something called the London Motor Show. Are you able to elaborate a little bit more on that?
2: Yeah, so I've always enjoyed, you know, going to the expos of the the London Motor Show. I I like the new modern cars as well as the old cars, Mm. of course. Um, And I I used to go to them religiously. But a friend of mine knew that I had the Colgis Motors. What they wanted with the London Motor Show was to kind of revamp it, get it into the now generation, you know, uh, you know, have drag racing be a part of what people should be interested in as well. Whether it's drag bikes or or cars, uh, sidecars, cars or that sort of stuff. And and who I am as a personality. At the end of the day, you know, bringing, bringing all these people together when I wouldn't normally have that kind of, you know, uh, demographic of people who are yep. into the music and the car scene. So, I've, so I, was, I was able to uh, work with the organisers of the, of the London Motor Show for its next step of where, where it ends up in the future. Um, unfortunately, we were supposed to do our first uh, collaboration show um, in July the 17th. But because of the pandemic, uh, it's not going to happen, and we can't really do a virtual show. But when I'm, but now that I'm going over there, I'm actually going to be doing um, hope and hopefully we're going to try to pull off a uh, Carl Cox Motorsport uh, day or or evening with music. The cars bringing people together, talking about the industry, all that sort of stuff. So, it's, it's, so it's like a like a media day. So that's kind of what we're going to kind of do. Because you can still social distance and all that sort of stuff. So you know, we we'll won't have people moving around, and we'll have a stage where we can uh, we can have uh, know, certain guests turn up and, and tell their stories about what they do and uh, and, and how they do it, like Formula One r- r- races and, and that kind of stuff. We're, we're really working on that at the moment as a concept. So it's actually gone into my favour because, yeah, it's London Motor Show, but I'm going to be ho- hosting the whole event. So, wow. Wow. so people will, will then start to see that I'm very serious in what I'm trying to achieve with, with what, what I enjoy, which is the motorsports and, mm. and motor and industry as a whole. So um, it's, it's it, it's just quite mad for me of, of what's happened here because I think what what might happen now is that the the, the motor, motor industry is going to supersede my music industry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so this is a, this is a, a crazy position to be in at the moment. Question without notice: Did you ever think that was going to happen? No, not never, not 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 in a million years. Because the I never had aspirations for it. You know, yeah. I never really had aspirations for, for being a for, you know. Someone said, do you want to be a Formula 1 racer and, Or do you, want to, do you want to DJ for the rest of your life And, and if I had the opportunity I still would say DJing Because yeah. I'm too big to get in a Formula 1 car <laughs> <laughs> so, so It's not going to happen
1: <laughs> That's a credit to you, Carl Seriously, like you've been able to take two passions of yours And, and become well known in, in two, two separate fields So I think that, that's that's incredible I, I really do
2: Well, well, I've been. I think I I want to try to have the title of the of the world's fastest DJ. I'd I'd say you've already got it. I think you've nailed that one. (laughs) I think I've got that one. Uh, I can't see another DJ being any quicker than me. If there is, then bring it. I want to know. You know, (laughs) (laughs) want to know who that is.
1: tonight Carl you've talked a, a bit about a, a number of cars you've had tell us tell us some of the
2: cars that are in your collection some that we might not know about um I've got some really nice uh, American muscle cars actually I've got a 1964 all original uh, Corvette Stingray um four speed four three uh, 327 it's absolutely lovely but you know what annoys me about this car is that you know people go, oh, it's beautiful it's in white you got side side wider pipes on it everything and oh, I love the wheels and everything. and and they go, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a 64. It's like, and because the
0: 65
2: 63. I'm like, and I said, like, do you have a 64? Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up, then. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the, the car people suck sometimes. They really do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not a 63. It's like, mm. it's, oh. anyway, that's another story. But I have a beautiful 1968 uh, Dodge Charger. Um, in 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 a, in a kind of like a navyish light blue. Um, I've, I've changed the wheel and tire. They're still to make the five hundreds, but they're bespoke to get a bit more wheel and tire underneath the guards and that, they, and have dropped the back down a little bit because normally they stick up quite high. Yeah. It just—it's—it's yeah. looks fat. It's, it's amazing that car. And it was a—it was a um, uh, a restoration wheel, which I was lucky enough to buy while it was in Dandy Engines getting a, a, a carburetor tune-up, and the owner at the time. He's just like, he had enough of the car. He just said, you know, i never run right. I just want to get rid of it. And I said, I heard about it and I just bought it like that. Oh, then, wow. Whatever he said, I said, I bought it because there's no way I'll, buy, I'll be able to find this car and the money I'll pay for it right now. Yeah. And that was true. And here's another story, right? So I've fixed this car. The, the, the roof liner was a bit shoddy. The, um, the air conditioning uh, compressor went. Uh, all the heat controls didn't work properly clear things not that just stupid little things that he could have fixed and it would have been fine but i went to a car show last week and i took that car out into a place uh in clayton uh, a place called the bosch center and uh, i rolled my car in around about half past eight it was like oh my god you know general lee but it's not the general lee because it's a 68 not 69 you can hear all, you can hear the whispers you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean you can hear them and I'll, and I'll cruise around and i had this Two guys were really looking at me, you know, like, you know, looking in there. like, You know, so I parked it up and the Virgin and everything. And he came over. And it, and and I've had this car for, I think, five years at least. And I never saw the owner. I just bought it from Frank. Frank said, here's the money. Here's here's the keys. And that's your car. That's it. And it, was, <laughs> and it was the owner's car. It was a guy who who, who had it originally before me. And, and he was looking at the car going, he's mate, that's not my car, is it? It's like, <laughs> it is. He's like, no way, it can't be. He's like, I said, no, no, have a look. So he came over and he looked at, he looked at me and he went, oh, I wish i never sold it now. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm talking about. You know, may made it look much better than when he had it. But anyway, that, that was that story. But I've got a, um, a beautiful 1966, no, 1965 uh, Pontiac GTO. And uh, oh. all original, <clears throat> original size wheel tyre, everything. It's like you, you bought it from the... Dealership when it came out, it's absolutely gorgeous piece of piece of work. That car starts on the button. I drove it out to Brights. There's a cruise night that they have, a the weekend that they have down there, and I took it down there, drove it there, drove it back. No, no issues, no dramas. Lovely, really lovely car. That one, um, one of my favourite cars actually. though, is 1971, um, the Dodge Challenger in Plum Crazy. Uh, got some centre lines on it. Got it lowered and everything else. I feel like a bit of a badass in that car, I have to tell you. <laughs> but it's got the, um, but it's not the, uh, the, the the big, um, uh, the big motor in it. It's, it's a three eighty three Magnum. So, okay. But I like the idea of Magnum. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, like yeah. Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a really, that's a really nice car. But again, I mean, I've got so many beautiful cars. The nineteen fifty six Chevy Nomad. And yeah, yeah. and here's another story about me obtaining this car. I've been looking for a Chevy Nomad for years and years. There's 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 not that many of them. Beautiful station wagon. This was a it was a frame off restoration of which I picked up in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, I didn't set out to find this car. It found me. At the End of the day, I I was in Vegas. I was playing there, and I was one afternoon. I was I was, like, I, I was kind of got online, and I was looking for like a T-shirt. I thought I'll get a nice Nomad 1956 T-shirt. So I found a T-shirt. Double XL, bang, bang bang, you know, in black and white, whatever. And then it says, oh, also the buyer might 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 want to buy this car. So it pointed down to the bottom, and you see a picture, and it was this blue and white 1955 Chevy Nomad. I thought, well, wow, if I can't get the 56, I'll get the 55, and then flip it for a 56 one day. At least I've got one. So, so I I went in, I put a bid on it. It didn't say how much it was going for. So I thought, right, 32 grand. You know. Chevy Nomad, you know, brand new, not, not brand new. It was a, a, a beautiful, uh, unmolested, as they say, um, uh, original car. So if I had it, if I wanted to get it into the hood, then I want to change everything, but it was too nice to do that. So yeah. I just thought I'd get it. Anyway, so I'm thinking, okay, well, if someone comes in at 33 or 34, and then I'll outbid them and I'll, eventually I'll get it at a, at a price I wanted to pay for it. But then he said, if you like this car, I think the buyer might also like to have this car. And it was a fifty-six Chevy Nomad in cool yellow and vanilla white. Um, American Racing Wheels, it was a frame of Restoration, beautiful car, um, a little bit more money than the one I was gonna buy, but that's the car. Right? So I rang the owner, I rang him up and I said, Listen, you know, I want to buy your car, how much was it? And he said, Yeah, okay, give me if you give me what I want, I said it's yours. I said, No problem, bang. I paid him for that car. But I still got this other car and it's still going on a bid. So I think, so I just thought, right, I'm not going to go in anymore. I'll just leave it there. Aww. i hoping right. someone will come in and buy it. Okay. Yeah. So the bidding stopped at four o'clock in the afternoon. So half past three, I've got this other car, done a deal on that. I've got the T-shirt, no worries. But I really don't want two nomads. <laughs> <laughs> just want one. One is enough. So someone's, someone's got to outbid me because this is quite low. 32 grand is low for one of these cars. So... It went, went on, half past three, quarter to four, and it went to 10 to four, five to four, and still no one outbidding me. I'm like, have I bought another car? I'm like, no, <laughs> no really, this is impossible. And literally, I think 30 seconds before it was the top of the hour four o'clock, I got super sniped. Someone <laughs> came in and bought it. And it said, uh, I'm really sorry, you've lost your bid on your car. I'm like, I lost a bit, and look at
4: yes, yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes! Woo! that's what I'm talking about. I was doing the happy dance. I've never been so happy to lose. <laughs> been on anything in my life. I was like, "The car is yours, Yippee! I'm, I'm, I'm free of this. I was like, "I was, it was one of the most stressful moments of my whole life." <laughs> what? Wait, I'm like, I am shaking the computer going, come on, wake up, people. <laughs> off <here>. I don't <laughs> want this car. Oh, my God. So I ended up with this car. And then anyway, so I bought it off this guy. Um, and, and, they, and everyone says, never buy a car off the internet because you never know what you're going to get, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, oh, well, I actually, actually haven't seen the car. I really don't know what the, what it's going to be like. So I panicked all the time. It got put onto the, uh, onto the boat. It came over eventually. And it turned up at my house. And it's an absolute peach so wow. i was really when that car rolls out there it's, it's just a, a beautiful beautiful chrome work and everything that goes with it. it's a lovely lovely car so it's, it's definitely one of my favorite cars that one uh but one but one of the cars which i which i first bought was a uh plymouth uh, roadrunner mm-hmm. uh, in black so it's uh, big center lines on it and everything and so it had a 383 in it so we yanked that out and we put a 572 uh, Hemi in it. As you do, As yeah. you do. You got to have that at least car- one Hemi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That car is such a brute. It's not funny. And it's fair play to my guys that fitted the engine because there really is no room in there whatsoever once a Hemi goes in there. I, you know, one of my luxuries was like the power steering on that car, and we had to take that away because <laughs> the where the headers go, we to take that away. So now I'm like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when I'm parking up at a show, I'm like, oh, oh it's reverse, uh, forward, backwards. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. You know, you, you can have all this power, but my word, you know, you got, really got to take something away from it. It's, uh, It doesn't work very well. But you know, I've run 10, 10, uh, 10 fours or 10 threes in that car wow. at 132 mile an hour. So. It goes, it goes all right. It goes, it goes. Yeah. <laughs> it goes, go. And, and it was a crate motor. So we don't really know what's in it or anything, but it's, it's held up. It's done all right. Mm. And when it goes on the stiff, you can do a bit of a wheel stand, woohoo. And the uh, and way <laughs> it goes, the gears, and it goes for gold. So I really enjoy that car. That, the, the, the black Plymouth Roadrunner is it's, it's all it's all me, I have to say, um, at the end of the day. So that's a few cars that I have. So that that
1: is an awesome collection. That's it's a bad. bit of a Chrysler a Dodge theme. I'm I'm picking up there, but not just the Fords. It's a-
2: yeah, well, I do have five Mustangs. I do have uh, two. I've got two Mark One Cortina Lotuses. I've got one Mark One Escort Mexico. Two RS um, RS two thousand Escorts, and I do have a uh, three fifty one. Um, uh, sorry, three fifty GT race a Mustang, which is um, a Shelby, which is in New Zealand. I do historic racing with that car. So there's a balance between old forts and... And and they
0: share the same stud pattern on the wheels. So, you know, they're (laughs) kind of the same.
2: (laughs) Well, if they don't, you just get a hammer. (laughs) And then then they go, they go, Just get a a nut on... Yep, yep, it's all good. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Hey, look, Carl, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. We really enjoyed it. But before we finish, um, tell us, where can we find you? Uh, CarlCoxMotorsport.com, uh, CarlCox.com, on, and on Facebook as well, CarlCox247. That's
2: right, 24-7. That's the official page um, yeah. that, that you can catch me on. And it gives you all the information on everything that I'm doing um, with, with DJing, and of course, my motorsports and my own inevitable drag racing efforts. <laughs>
1: mm. oh, awesome, awesome! One other thing is, there anyone you'd like to thank? I know Frank. Frank, as uh, um, was well, kind of Todd reached out to Frank to organise this in- interview. But is there anyone you'd like to thank? There in your in your in your motorsport regime, and in, even in your DJing regime?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot of people. How long we got? About, about another hour. <laughs>
1: we've, got, we've got plenty of time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> You know, I mean, Mark, I mean Frankie from, from Danny Engines and, and Joe Couchy and his son, Jonathan, as well. I mean, they did so well with their Mustang. I sponsored their Mustang, actually, for for his racing campaign. And uh, he ran a, a 5.85 at 252 miles an hour on a weekend on radios. Um, I think that puts it probably the fastest... Uh, uh, pro radial car in the country, if not bloody well, uh,
0: by, by a mile, I'd say. Yeah,
2: yeah like. it, it, to watch it was it was to behold. I mean, I, I never want to drive that car. <laughs> 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 I see him driving, Whoa! oh, bloody hell! You're like, wow. But he really took it to the pro mods this weekend, which is amazing. So you know, uh, that those guys are just fantastic, and it's, I feel very proud of honoured to, to be be with them. And of course, you know, Pro Trans and and uh, FuelTech uh, uh, Australia. Uh, and it's just so many people that, uh, that, that, I've, that I've kind of met along the way. It's just, it's just been awesome. And uh, there's everyone all over the world and, and that are into their music and have been to the festivals. I'll be coming back soon to hopefully to, to basically start my campaign and DJing again uh, mm. on a worldwide basis. And, uh, and I haven't seen my sisters because my sisters are actually uh, going to be uh, watching uh, listen listening to the show uh, at some point. So um, my Pamela, Andrea, and my niece, Rihanna. So I uh, hope to get to see you guys very soon.
0: Oh, shout out to them as well. Yeah. And, and you're, you're coming to Perth, you said.
2: I am, yeah. So um, not this weekend. Next weekend, um, I will be playing two, two events in, in Perth, uh, one at the Metro and another one somewhere else. <laughs> 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 you got to find it online if you wanted to know exactly where it is. <laughs> is that
1: the Metro in the City? Is it? Metro, or Metro yeah, in Frio? Yeah. Oh, Metro yeah, in the City. Yeah. Okay. Metro right. the city. Well, we it's a
2: good venue. I really, really enjoy that venue. Last time I played there, it's been awesome. So, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll be playing there. Hmm.
1: Oh, no, we really appreciate that, Carl. And uh, yeah, if if you're anyone that's listening, yeah, as I said, head to carlcoxmotorsport.com. that's a really great website, by the way, I must add. That's really well done. And yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of information there. Or carlcox.com or Facebook, Carl Cox 24-7.
2: Yep, that's the one.
1: Well, Carl, look, really appreciate it from myself, Todd, and Simon we've had it i've i've really enjoyed tonight i've had had a great laugh and uh yeah you're uh yeah you're you're a credit to to grassroots motorsport people in australia but not just in australia but around the world as well and you know what drag racing i must say drag racing is much better off having someone like yourself in it because we, you know, Simon and myself in particular are big drag racing fans. Yeah. And we're always, you know, we're trying to, we're, we, you know, collectively, we're trying to bring it to the next level. Having someone like you involved in the sport, we're much better off for it. So
0: it, it would be great if more people got to experience it because, you know, when you're there at a, a pro mod or door slam or, or a nitro meeting, mm. um, it, it, there's nothing like being there uh, in the crowd and feeling—you know—nothing can describe what a fuel car feels like um, no. to, to, to see go down the track. And I know that where we've brought people from the corporate world to the track, they've—they've they've been. What, why is this such a secret? <laughs> like, this should be on TV. Everyone should know about this. But unfortunately, corporate Australia—I don't think they they are ready for us.
2: Not quite. <laughs> no. No, it's, it's a bit strange, isn't it? I mean, I think the next 400 Thunder, um, I think, uh, is it KO TV or something like that? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And I think um, maybe 7TV also is going to start showing some uh, finder funder and Pro Mod and, and everything else racing. So hopefully to get, you know, it, it's, you know, we can see more action, more things to come. I mean, the Jamboree was brilliant this, this week. I thought it was really well attended. I think it had a great demographic of people. Uh, if I hear another rotary car, I'm going to kill somebody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is
0: unusual considering you're a DJ because yeah. <laughs> the DJs we know own rotaries.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it runs a six or something. I'm like, Holy, how, how is this voodoo working? <laughs> so it's like, the whole weekend was just nuts at Jamboree. Um, but yeah we saw some awesome cars go down and and uh, you know pp's been broken like, like 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 it was christmas um brilliant you know and and everyone really enjoyed it a bit of music going on there as well i might actually do some music for them the next next jamboree if it if it works out um and that would be really awesome if, uh, if i could fuse those two things together and just bring a little bit more to it you know they, more, yeah. they used to,
0: uh, have yeah, they did. have they, yeah. they, they used to have a DJ and they used to have a sound off as well. Mm. And they used to have the, a, uh, like a bikini, uh, <laughs> which is probably frowned upon these days, but yeah.
2: not by me. <laughs> 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 uh, there goes our PC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll work uh, on it. I'll work on it. <laughs> Yeah. We need to get a drag strip at Ibiza. Yeah. <laughs> I know that will now that will be something else. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful. Hey,
1: Carl. Look, as I said, really appreciate your time coming on the podcast. It's uh, great to have you here, and um, you know, we'll we'll try and catch up with you when you're in Perth. If not, yeah.
2: we'll try and catch up with you um, when you're back in the UK as well. It'll be good to catch up with you. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, the London Motor Show, if we can pull this off, uh, um, I'll definitely let you guys know. But then yeah. if it's happening, it's going to happen for sure. Yep. Yeah,
1: excellent. No, definitely. Right. Well, okay, uh, Carl, thanks for joining us yeah. on the and Power podcast. It was great to have you here.
2: Thanks, yeah. guys. And uh, it's been a pleasure. I I've had, a- I've had a good crack myself today. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that. All right, All right guys next
0: Take care. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, The Valley Comes Alive. And podcasting across iTunes and
1: talkandpower.com.au.